Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We're now in lesson 88. And let's go back to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 19 and verse 21, where we finished last time. And there we read, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And as I mentioned earlier in the last lesson, he went to Jerusalem. When he realized all this time, as we, you know, we covered all this material, about the approach that we should have as we read the, uh, the writings of the disciples, that is, from the point of view of the way God recorded the history of his church, and not from the point of view that we've, we've been taught all this time, from the point of view, in essence, of the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches, which was totally false in many ways. They invented a totally different theology, and from that point of view, everybody's looking at the Bible, including the, the Hebrew Scriptures. And that's another way to look at it. As I said so many times, it is one people, one religion, one nation, one God, one church. There hasn't been a new one, and Paul was not about to invent a new one, and he had, hadn't shown any indication that he was going to do it, or any of the other disciples. And so if he goes to Jerusalem, well, that's the most natural thing to do. Jerusalem is the center of the religion of God, and the temple was a center of it. And so that's the reason why he's going to Jerusalem. Had he established a new religion, as some people claim that he was the founder of Christianity, the new religion, a new church, he would have absolutely no need to go to Jerusalem, especially not to the temple. But that's exactly what he was talking about. He wanted to go there and keep the feast with all, all the children of Israel, his fellow kinsmen, of the house of Israel, of the people of Israel, of the church of God. And some among them, obviously. By now, there were many, many thousands of them. We don't know how many thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of converted brethren, children of Israel. And they are the ones that came to the temple. There were many thousands of priests, many thousands of uh, the Pharisees and others. And so, that's what he wanted to do. And people that came later on tried to erase that knowledge and understanding. They did not stress it. They did not explain it properly. They gave the impression that a new religion was being created here and Paul was teaching another religion. And the Jews themselves, believing the teachings and the lies of the Catholic Church and, the, and those who came after that, they also believed that Paul came and, and perverted the, the teachings of Jesus Christ, which they say, well, Jesus Christ was a good rabbi. And what he taught was in accordance with the, with the Torah. But Paul came and perverted everything, and his disciples did likewise. And that was one of the major lies that was being taught by the counterfeit church, and even the Jewish community went for it. But anyway, that's a very important point to realize that, and we shall see so much of that even uh, uh, with the other disciples that continue to go to the temple until the destruction of it. Especially uh, one of the apostles, like James, he was very well known by the Jewish community, highly respected, always went to the temple, always went to pray there, because that was the temple of God, and this was the center of the religion of God, and there was no new religion on the scene, no new church on the scene. It was the same church, only some of them are now receiving the Holy Spirit and becoming spiritual Israelites, and the rest, as time went by, according to the plan of God, every single one of them that is written in the book of life is going to be saved. That's why Paul later on would tell us, all Israel is going to be saved. So there is no new church, there is no new religion, there is no new theology. 
and that was made very plain in so many places. And let's go now to uh, chapter 20 and verse 21, where we read uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the Jews. He says that, actually the Apostle Paul is speaking now to, uh, to the brethren. Some of them were Jews, and some of them were not. That's his last discourse, so to speak, uh, on his way to, to Jerusalem. And so this is what he's telling them, that he preached to them the truth. He didn't hold anything back in verse 20. And in verse 21 he told them, uh, he testified to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is the head of the religion. And it's not named after the head of Jesus Christ, the head of the body, but it's named after the religion of God, the Elohim, the Elion, the Father of Jesus Christ, and He's the center. And those who came after that, because they wanted to divorce themselves from the true religion, which they didn't call the true religion conveniently, they would not even uh, take uh, Elohim, uh, God, the Father of Jesus Christ, as the center of the religion, but they took Jesus Christ, so they became a Jesus religion. And obviously, not even the true one, because they had a false Jesus and a false theology about Jesus. But even that, the fact that they have taken or moved the center of worship from, or the emphasis from God himself to Jesus Christ, shows you the, uh, the sinister conspiracy that was developing there, of which Paul said the mystery of iniquity is already working in our midst. That's what they were doing. Appropriated Jesus Christ and then taught all kind of lies about him. And we are recipients of that without even realizing how much of that is still entrenched very deeply in our minds and hearts and governs our thoughts and our understanding of the scriptures and comprehension of theology. And so this is what he's telling them. I was testifying to the Jews, that is my, you know, the church of God, and also to the Greeks, the ones that God was grafting into the commonwealth of Israel. He was testifying to them about repentance toward God, that is, Turn away from transgression of the Torah and obey the Torah. That's what he was teaching them. He taught obedience to the Torah. The entirety of it. Including the instructions that were given by Jesus Christ himself and later on the apostles. And then faith, he said, toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Adon, the Savior, the anointed Savior of Yeshua Mashiach. And that's what he told them and that's what he did. And that's what he brought back Israel constantly, and some people don't realize that, because they don't read it properly, and especially the ones of the false churches, that Paul was one of the greatest champions of the Torah. He was from the Pharisaical background, strict of the strict, you know, a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, from the highest elite of them. They were very, very meticulous about obedience to the law, as he would let him tell on... Uh, uh, tell the Philippians that is touching the righteousness which is in the law, he was blameless. And he continued to teach the Torah. He never deviated from that. But it just gave them an understanding that there is a part of the Torah, which is also called the Torah, that had to do with the rituals and uh, the things that were added because of disobedience to teach them the habit of obedience because they were constantly disobedient. And that part, he said, was not applicable because when the heart is circumcised, then there, there is no issue of being obedient to God. And God doesn't have to impose those kind of things 
to make people obey his law. And so, this is what he tells them. And then we continue in uh, chapter 20 and verse 17. After Paul told them that he taught repentance toward God, that is obedience to the law of God, the Torah of God, and all of them were taught those things, and there was no need to repeat everything that he taught, and that's why he did not record many of, the, of these things. He just plainly taught repentance, and you cannot teach repentance without the knowledge of the law. And he knew very well what God said to Malachi in chapter 4 and verse 4, that his people, his church, Israel, the one he's going to marry, he said, you must remember the Torah of Moses, my servant, which I commanded. Because if you don't, he said, I'm going to bring utter destruction on the whole earth. And so that's what Paul taught the churches, wherever he went. That is the congregations. And the ones that were drafted into the commonwealth of Israel. And so in verse 17, we read in uh, chapter 20 and verse 17. Actually, we read that all already, so... Uh, describe that anyway uh, in verse 22 actually uh, he tells them the people that he was preaching to the congregations that came from Ephesus and Miletus and all the others speaking specific to the elders of the church as we read in verse 17 and he tells them in verse 22 and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there in other words he's compelled by the spirit of God by Jesus Christ himself to go to Jerusalem because he has a message to deliver the last one to his people there and from there to be uh, brought to Rome. God was starting a chain of events. That is Jesus Christ, the uh, direct head of the body. And so in verse 23 he said uh, that he's bound to go to Jerusalem by the Spirit. And verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city. In other words, Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Jesus Christ is testifying in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. You see, not having background and context, this is what caused the members of the false church, the counterfeit church, or the unlearned, to be mixed up when they read certain statements without a background. So when they read the Holy Spirit so many times, and it sounds like it is a person, they think, aha, there is a third one. Instead of understanding that he's speaking about Jesus Christ. Other times, the Holy Spirit may be the Father himself. And then, when the context makes it very plain that it's neither the Father or the Son, then he's speaking about their power, their emanation, that which comes from them. And those are two different things. That is, there is a person, and there is a spirit of the person. And the person that he's speaking about here, the Holy Spirit that testifies, he's speaking about the person of God, not, not just the, the power, the emanation of him. Uh, the power that gives us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and all those things. But he's speaking about the, specifically the person of Jesus Christ. Everywhere he's testifying through his prophets. That this is what is coming upon uh, Paul. And that he had a purpose in doing it. And then verse 24, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And what was the grace of God? The people who turn away from their sins and iniquities, as Jesus Christ said when he first came and began to preach, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. 
And when you do, then the grace of God will be upon you. And the grace of God is that he's going to bring you into the kingdom. Once you repent, and now that you keep the Torah, and Jesus Christ is being formed in you through that word that he symbolizes, that he epitomizes, which is the Torah, that is the truth, the entirety of the body of instructions of God from beginning until the end, to these people, God is going to show grace. And that's what the grace of God is. He's going to forgive you when you repent of the sins that you've committed and the sins that you're committing. If you constantly repent, and then the grace of God will be upon you. And people totally misunderstand what grace is. And they have issues to this very day and discussions about grace versus law. That shows already great ignorance there. There is no such a thing as grace versus law. Because law means Torah, and Torah includes grace. Grace is just one of the pillars of the Torah. Not a separate thing. And yet when people are ignorant and blind and do not understand and comprehend, they say, well, I'm under grace, I'm not under the law. You see? Grace is a part of the law. What do you mean you're not under the law? You're not under the Torah. The Torah teaches us that those who repent, that's what God told Moses, that he is a merciful God. That he's a graceful God. He's a God of grace. But only to those who obey him and love him. Not to those who rebel against him. And so it's a one, one thing. You know, there are not two, two things there. You don't say, you know, one, one leg against another leg. You know, they're all part of the body. They're not two separate things. And you do not separate the head from the body. It's one. And that's what people have done to their own destruction. That's how they wrestle with the scriptures. And so he taught the Torah constantly. And he taught them, how do you receive grace? How do you come under the grace of God? By repentance. By obedience to the Torah. The Torah that he gave to Israel. The Torah that he commanded Israel to obey. The Torah that he said, when I bring you back out of the nation, you are going to keep my statutes and my judgments. You're going to keep them. Not say, well, they're done away with. As they do today, as they've done for the past 2,000 years. Showing the continuity of that church, of that people, of that wife of God. Even though there was uh, the death of, uh, of the wife. But it was so he can make a better covenant with his wife. This time on better promises. And marry her again. And take her to himself. Which he made very plain through the prophets in hundreds of statements. And people don't believe him. And many in our midst are so confused because of the teachings of the Babylon out of which we came that we too believe the lies that were taught by the counterfeit church 2,000 years ago and we believe that there are two identities you know, Israel and the church and there is no such a thing. And so he taught them the truth from the point of view of God not the point of view of what it became later on. And so in verse 25 he says and indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God and what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of the, the, the disciples spoke to Jesus Christ about, that he taught them about, the kingdom that he's going to establish in Israel, where he's going to rule over the house of Jacob. To that end, he was born to be a king and to rule over the house of Jacob forever and over the entirety of the earth. Because the entirety of the earth will become the children of that marriage between God and his wife Israel restored Israel, spiritual Israel now, when he gives them the Holy Spirit, when he makes a new covenant with them with the house of Israel and the house of Judah and pours his spirit upon all flesh so that they may go and finally do the, do the work that he had given them from the beginning of time when he married them. That was the purpose of that marriage, to bear children, all the entirety of the earth. That's why Israel was called the firstborn. 
So this is the kingdom of God that he's been preaching. And what did it become? An ethereal something where you go to heaven after you die. And you don't need law, you just need grace. And then all the lies that came with it, and some of us are still lodged very deeply in our minds and hearts and we do not even realize it. And so this is what he's teaching them and preaching to them and making it very plain. And then in chapter 22, we continue the story. We read in verse 1, uh, where he speaks now to his people. And he says, and this is uh, back in, in his own land, in the land of Israel, among the church, people of God, most of them unconverted, yet, but will be. So he's addressing them in verse 22 when he sends before the Sanhedrin. And this is what he says to them. Uh, actually, he's not sending before the Sanhedrin here, but before uh, the governor. And he says to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees, to the ones that came to accuse him before the governor. And he says to them, brethren and fathers, in verse 1, hear my defense before you now. So they're still brothers, and they're still fathers. In other words, they're still the church of God, they're still his people. I know two communities, two separate ones, two different entities. He had never recognized a different entity. He always made it very plain. It's still the same body, the same church, the same body of witnesses. And so he constantly referred to them as that, as brethren and fathers. And it says, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, uh, they kept all the more silent than he said. Actually, at this point, he's still in Jerusalem uh, when he was caught in the temple and people thought that he was uh, bringing an uncircumcised uh, disciple. And so it is still at this point in Jerusalem when he asked the commander of the garrison to allow him to speak to his own people who were there. And so this is what he tells them in verse 3. I in, I'm indeed a Jew. Not I used to be. I still am a Jew. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Taught according to the strictness of our father's law. Our father's Torah. And what was the Torah of our fathers? Is the Torah that God gave them through Moses. Wasn't it something else? He's speaking about the law of God, the Torah of God. And he said, And I was zealous toward God as you all are today. Now, is he trying to placate them? Or is he trying to speak the truth? They were zealous for the Torah. And that's the reason why they threw him out of the temple, believing that he brought in uncircumcised. You see, they should have checked a little bit closer. And uh, they did not. And so, with that faith, that was very strong in them, and the zeal was them, and all of them were like Phinehas, when they saw transgression, they got rid of it. And so, when they believed uh, incorrectly that he was bringing an uncircumcised, well, they did what the law commanded. You throw them out. As a matter of fact, uh, the penalty for doing such a thing was death. And so they were about to go and kill him, not because they were just a bunch of rebel rousers. It's because of the zeal of God that was in them. But it was not according to knowledge. It was misdirected because he, had he hasn't done anything like that. He brought disciples that were converted now. In other words, they had the Holy Spirit. Converted does not mean you are not a member of another religion. You see, this concept became 
a widespread, that when you're converted from Judaism to follow Christ, you're becoming a member of another religion, and that's one of the major lies that also was being taught. A converted Jew means a person that is still a member of the body of Christ, of the church of, of God that he was before. Now he has the Holy Spirit, just like the prophets. The prophets, when they had the Holy Spirit, were not members of another religion, but the religion of Israel. And that's what he's talking about, the Torah of Israel, the zeal toward God, the God of Israel, and that's what his people were. The people at this point don't have the Holy Spirit, and yet all members of the same body, believing in the same law, keeping the same law, zealous toward the same God, one God for all of them. There are no two gods, one for Israel, one for the church. And so that's what he's saying. Then in verse 4 he says, I persecuted this way. Now this is the end of the ministry of Paul. A short time, you know, just about two, three years before he was uh, executed. The end of his ministry. And he, and he calls it this way. He didn't call it Christianity. You see? He was not a founder of Christianity. He never heard that term. Therefore he couldn't be the founder of it to begin with. He called it by what God called it. That's the name of the religion of God. The way. Because it's a way that you walk. Blessed and happy is the, you know, is the man that walks in the way. That's the only name that God gave his religion. And then he gave the components of it. My laws. My statutes. My judgments. My precepts. My ordinances. Or Sereta de Brod, the ten words which in English was translated as the Ten Commandments, and that's a confusing term, because commandment is a generic term in Hebrew, mitzvot, for all that God commanded. That is, the 613 in the, in the Torah, in the five books, and then all the other commandments that he gave them later on, and about this and that and the other thing. So that's a generic term for all of them, and then the, the, the ten that he gave in Sinai, he called it himself ten words, and he's the word of God. And so that's what he said. I persecuted this way. You see, that's the name of the religion. It's not Christianity. And this way was the very way that all the children of Judah, at this, at this point, children of Israel, were keeping. And plus the do's and don'ts. But he's speaking specific about, about the Torah. Those who obeyed the Torah. The Torah that Christ said, don't think that I came to do away with it. The Torah that Christ said to the one that said, well, what must I do to enter into life? He said, well, keep the mitzvot. Keep the Torah. Keep the commandments. Everything that the Torah tells you. And that's what the way is all about. And that way understood also that the God of Israel came down in the flesh. And he is the way. And he's opening the path before them to the resurrection, to salvation, to eternity, to justification, to the grace of God to the Holy Spirit. You see? This is what the way was all about. And this is what Israel was being taught all the time by Moses and the prophets. They were just hard-headed and stiff-necked. And therefore, they could not fully comprehend and reap the benefits of the way that God revealed to them from the beginning of time. When he married them. When he came down in person and dwelt in their midst and married them and gave them the covenant and all the teachings of the way. That's what he's talking about here. See, it's one body, one church, one people. And it makes it very plain. And that was the perfect way that he, he taught them. He wasn't teaching them any 
new religion to all those that he went preaching uh, the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom anywhere else. And people forget that. And so in verse 17 we continue to read uh, as he goes on with the story he says now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. If he's the founder of Christianity and that's a new religion and God put down Israel and picked up the church what is he doing in the temple? The center of Judaism so to speak. The center of the religion of God. The center of the church of God. You see? Makes it very plain. He was there because he didn't know anything about a new religion or about a new theology or about a new God or about a new testament. It was all one book, one people, one church, one nation, one God. That's the reason he goes. That's natural. That's the most natural for a converted Jew who has the Holy Spirit who is a follower of Jesus Christ who is the God of Israel to be there in the temple of the God of Israel and the temple of the Father also. In the center of the religion of God, where all the children of Israel are, the church. How plain can it be? Only the blind and ignorant can see it for what it is, and they forgot it. Even though the Jews do not have the Holy Spirit and did not recognize Jesus Christ, one thing they have never lost, the identity of the true church of God, and the laws of that church, and the future of that church, and the kingdom of God that is coming to this earth, and the resurrection and the resurrection of the tabernacle of David, and the kingdom that is restored, and is going to be restored to Jerusalem, to Israel, to the church, to the people. And they haven't forgotten what the new covenant is all about, that God is going to make of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And yet the others who accepted Christ, that is the person of Christ, but totally rejected his message and his law, are ignorant. And what an irony it is. And great irony is also that many of them are children of Israel themselves who do not even know who they are and what is the true church and so he says to them now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple the hour of prayer see we don't even know how to do it today we, for, you know, we have lost it because we were part of the false religion all this time we don't even know how to do it and our leaders did not or were not wise enough to go to those who had known, who had preserved the divine service that Paul talks about, that was given to Israel, to Judah, the oracles, and learn how to conduct the service. So instead of that, you know, they relied on their background, what they came from, and added a few things here and there. We don't even know what our prayer is. So we concocted our own type of services, and we call it a service when it is actually a lecture service, and it's not a worship service, and it's not the hour of prayer either. And that's what he's doing exactly here, and that's what all the prophets did, that's what all the apostles did, that's what all the men of God did, and that's unfortunately not what we are doing. And ironically, the Catholic Church has copied the temple services, the synagogue services, and they are, ironically, much closer to the original than we are. And so this is what he's saying here. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, who is he? Well, the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Is Jesus Christ. You see, some places he'll call him Jesus Christ, other places he'll call him the Holy Spirit. He's the head of the body and the one that constantly communicates with his disciples. And so they refer to him now and then 
as either the Lord or the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. So, he saw him and saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. You see, because that's his people, that's his church. They haven't received him when he was in the flesh, and they were not about to receive him now. At least many of them are not, and yet many others did. So he's not talking about all of them, he's talking about the ones that did not. And mainly the leaders. The people were more open to, to the message. And so he tells him uh, that his Paul replies to the Lord. So I said, Lord, that is Adon. They know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed. I also was standing. In other words, he went to the synagogue to, to take all those uh, people that believed in Christ because they did not see any reason why they should stop attending the synagogue. That was the natural place to go. It was a house of worship of the God of Israel and this is where the church met. You see, he didn't go outside into the markets and cut them from the markets or their businesses or their homes. He went to the synagogue because this is where they were. Or he went to the temple because this is where they were and this is where they were supposed to be. I haven't heard about any new sect or a new religion or a new church, a new entity. So in a statement after statement after statement, you see it very plainly and you see what the what the false church has done with this message. Totally warped it, perverted it, so when we read it, we do not even think about it as we should. And so he said, this is where I went to get them from. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. So he was a murderer too. Verse 21. Then he said to me, and see here he's not uh, uh, referring to him all the time as, as uh, the one with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. No, he's referring to him as he. Because there were many ways that they addressed him. Uh, and so he said, then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the nations, to the Gentiles. And of course the Jews didn't like that. And so in verse 22 we read, and they listened to him until this word, Gentile, you know, that's a magic word. You say that and you are out. That is envy. That's what the problem was, you see. It wasn't the message. They were listening to the message. Had he not mentioned the Gentiles, something they could not stomach, they would have continued to listen and believe and follow many of them. But you throw the word Gentile there and you blew it, you know, and you lost them. And that's what the problem was. Envy. Not the message itself, not the truth. Many follow Jesus Christ. Many are even of the Pharisees, many of the Sadducees and all that. Then they realize he was from God. As Nicodemus came and told him, we know, we know that you are from God because no man can do things like that unless he's sent from God. So that wasn't a, not an issue for them not to know it. The problem was is envy. And of course also many of them would not stomach the concept that he is God standing in their midst and he's the son of God. They could not, you know, they just could not comprehend that nor understand it nor believe it unless God opened their minds to see it. In other words, when God reveals his son in us, then we can believe it and that's why many of us today are losing it and do not have any knowledge and understanding that they used to have about the deity of Jesus Christ. Because unless the father reveals his son in you, you just 
don't have a real faith in that real being who created us, who is our creator and our God, and will come and marry us, and the entirety of the house of Israel, his church and the grafted ones, and then be a king over all the earth. And let's go now to uh, chapter 23 and verse 1. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, this time he's brought before the council, the Sanhedrin, where there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's looking at them at the council, and he said again, man and brethren, these are his people, that's his church, that's the church of God. He's not a member of another uh, entity, men and brethren. I have lived in all good conscience before God, that is before Elohim, until this day. Elohim is the head of the religion, not Christ. And verse 2, And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth, which is contrary to the Torah. Verse 3, Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, Elohim. He didn't say Jesus Christ, you know. Jesus Christ is not the God of the New Testament. Elohim still is the God of, the, of Israel. And Jesus Christ is the Lord under him. He says, Elohim will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you see to judge me according to the Torah. You know, you think that I've done something wrong in the temple and just transgressed the Torah, and yet you strike me, you command to strike me contrary to the Torah. In other words, the Torah says, you first hear the matter, verify it, have the witnesses. I really saw a Gentile, you know, that I brought into the temple, and you haven't got all that, you have no business doing any of the things that you have done. And so he uses the Torah to show the transgression of the high priest who should have known better. And at this point, Obviously, Paul did not know that he's a high priest, but he knew that he was a priest. And those who stood by said, Do you revile God, that is Elohim's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know. Brethren, see, still brethren, that he was a high priest, for it is written. Where is it written? In the Torah. You shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. And some of us are forgetting it, too many parts are speaking evil of rulers, be it the president or others. We should not speak evil of rulers. It's one thing to discuss, you know, their sins and iniquities. It's another thing to speak evil of them. God does not hide our sins and iniquities. He doesn't hide the sins and iniquities of Abraham and David and others. So that's one thing. But just to say, to, you know, to hang around and just uh, bellyache and, and curse and speak evil and uh, put down and all those things in their own way, uh, that's a, something else. The Torah commands us not to do that. Uh, so this is what he's telling them. Uh, so in verse 6, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, all church of God, all people of God, unconverted yet, yes, were the people of God, he cried out in the council, men and brethren. So he's addressing the church of God. And notice what he says about himself. And notice what he didn't say about himself. He didn't say, well, I, once upon a time, I used to be a Pharisee. 
And now I'm a member of Christianity, the new religion which I founded. Now, he doesn't say that. He says, I am. Not I used to be. I am, to this very moment, a Pharisee. And most of, of those who call themselves Christians in the past 2,000 years could never stomach that. All they can do is just speak evil of the Pharisee. And the Pharisaical attitude, and this and that, and the other thing. And some in their ignorance are saying, well, God spoke, that is, Jesus Christ spoke, spoke against those people, and he called them Pharisees. You see, no great ignorance there. Unlearned people. Pharisee means a person who separates himself from the, wor from the world and cleaves to God. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. But they were overzealous. And being human beings, went from one extreme to the other. And God did not, and Jesus Christ did not, and the apostles did not condemn the righteousness of the country Christ said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisee, not unrighteousness. He didn't condemn their righteousness. He condemned their hypocrisy. He condemned their do's and don'ts that were not righteousness. And so here he's saying, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I never stopped being a Pharisee. I'm still a member of the Commonwealth of Israel, of the Church of God. That's what he's saying. I'm still obedient to the Torah. Not a new religion called Christianity. I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. And so Paul is making it very plain. That is, a Pharisee is a member of the body of God, of the body of Christ, of the Church of God, of the Church of Israel, obedient to the law, a Pharisee, and Many of the members that were with him, converted brethren, also were Pharisees, all obedient to the law, all zealous of the law, as we can read earlier when he came back, uh, when he arrived in Jerusalem, and he went to the disciples, that is, to the brethren, and to the apostles, as we read in uh, chapter 21, we should go back probably to that and, and cover this section, because it's relevant, very relevant. And in verse 17, uh, in chapter 21, we read, And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Now, what kind of brethren were these? See, these are members of the body of Christ, church of God, the wife of God, Israel. And these were converted. That is, had the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. Converted does not mean, you know, member of another religion. You don't convert from the religion of Israel to Christianity. There's no such a thing. If you're a member of the religion of Israel, you stay there. You just believe what the prophets and Moses said to Israel. And then you receive the Holy Spirit and you come under the grace of God too. And so when they came to Jerusalem, it says in verse 17, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. And James was the brother of Jesus Christ. He continued to attend the temple and he continued to pray there daily and he continued to be uh, highly regarded by the Jewish community, and we have never looked upon him as a member of another religion, and he never told that he was a member of another religion. And he was very zealous of the Torah, and all respected him very highly for that. And many learned from him a lot, and many went to him for teachings and understanding, including Pharisees and Sadducees, and many of them were converted because of that, right in the temple. That was the temple of the Church of God. 
And so he went to James, and all the elders were there. And when he, we had greeted them, he told in detail these things which God, which Elohim, you see, the head of the religion, had done among the nations, the Gentiles, through his ministry. So, even though Christ is the head of the body, the Father is the one that is doing the work through Christ, through his church. And he's the head of the religion. So we cannot call it Christianity. You're bypassing the Father and you're blaspheming the Father. In that sense, and Christ is not happy with it. He directed all the worship. He told us, when you pray, you don't say our heavenly Jesus Christ. You say our heavenly Father. You speak to Elohim directly. In my name. Through me. That's the religion of God. And that at least, you know, Judah never lost. He go directly to God. And so Christ made it very plain. He isn't taught anything else that he taught Israel before that. And so both says to, to the disciples, to James, God, Elohim, is the one that did all these things among the nations. Yes, through Christ and through me, through the Holy Spirit, the power of it. Verse 20, and when they heard it, they glorified the Lord, they glorified Jesus Christ, because he was the direct head of the church. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many uh, myriads of Jews there are who have believed. You see, an awful lot of us are here. Yes, we were members of the church of God before, unconverted, without the Holy Spirit, but now we're still members of the church, but not converted. There are many of us here, many Jews. And they're all zealous for the Torah. They didn't say the Torah is done away with. They didn't say we're under grace now. They knew better. They were right there on the scene with Jesus Christ. was there, and he told them in person. They heard him. You see? They were not deceived like many of us are to this very day. And the people now meet who are saying, well, I'm spiritual. I don't need to keep the Sabbath. I can stay home. I don't need to do anything. Or if we get together, you know, we just pontificate about this and that and the other thing. Anything but coming as people of God at the hour of prayer to worship him, to praise him, to honor him, to glorify him. Not to speak our own words. And throw a few scriptures here and there so we can sound spiritual. And so there was, these were all members of the body of Christ. And Christ was the God of Israel. As Paul made it very plain. The one that Israel followed and drank from and ate and find, uh, and the one that was with them, he was Christ. There were members of the body of Christ before that. They're members of the body of Christ now. Now only they are they're spiritual now, where before they were physical members of the body of Christ. And people are so confused they don't even comprehend nor understand that. It doesn't even dawn on them to think that way. And the scriptures are very plain. So I tell them, look at all these people. They're zealous for the law. As they were always, before and after. Now with a greater intensity and understanding because the Spirit is there. But they had been informed, that is misinformed in essence, about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk in according to the customs, that is, the customs of the law. And obviously, he wasn't doing it. Because that religion is still the religion of Israel. It was not about, about you know, to change that and teach a new religion and call it Christianity and be the founder of it. See, all those were lies. Lies that even the brethren, people of Jesus Christ, members of the body of Christ, believed it in Jerusalem. 
how much more the Gentiles and how much more, you know, for the next 2,000 years who have not even been there. And so verse 23 says, What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. In other words, when all the congregation, all the assembly, the kehila, that is, when they all come, they're going to hear that you are here and there will be problems here. Because they're zealous for the law and they're not going to tolerate anybody, any leader, anyone who is teaching contrary to the Torah of Moses. And that was the stand of the church of God. The people of God. And they would take action if they need to. Verse 23, Therefore do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. And he said, what a vow? Well, if you study the Torah, you know what it is talking about. And take them and be purified with them. Here we're talking about rituals. You see, Israel is still bound by those things. Gentiles were not. Who came to the church because God purified them by faith. But Israel was commanded to continue until heaven and earth pass away. Jesus Christ said, not one jot or one tittle shall pass from this Torah. That's including all the rituals, many of those things. And so it will be at his coming in the temple in Jerusalem. All these things will be applicable again. In verse 24, you know, they said, Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads, because they took the Nazarite vow, and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, not with their lies. People lied an awful lot about Paul. And to this very day they do in our own midst of those who lie about Paul and claim that he taught what he has and taught. So that all may know that those oh, those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the Torah, including the rituals, the purification. He had never done away with that. And when he spoke to the Gentiles, he was just explaining them that they are not under that part that was given to Israel, because they were willing to circumcise their heart, and therefore God does not impose it on them, but he's imposing it on Israel, including the ones who have the Holy Spirit. Because here, this is what they are doing here. As long as the temple is in existence, Israel, the wife of God, is under this part of the Torah. Anyway, we're going to stop now. This is Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.